A lot can change in a year. I mean, heck, a lot can change in a minute. But in this case, we'll settle for the last 12 months or so. Thinking back to early 2022, a certain illness was still commonly in the news. Shipping containers were piled up at ports across the globe, and seemingly precious little of what was in those containers was actually making it to store shelves. The impact of the supply chain on consumer goods had a stark impact that's surely still being felt now, but is it getting any better? We're not even about to try to answer that question on a truly macroeconomic scale, because if we did, we'd have you all 3D printing your own car parts and hydroponically growing corn with AI by the end of the episode. But in the case of something we are at least a little more qualified to speak to, we chose to zoom in on all things tech, specifically our favorite pastime, a PC building. So with delivery trucks back on the road, the crypto-driven demand bubble bursting around the GPU industry, and just a little too much time on our hands these days, we'll take a shot at answering, what is the thing about building a PC in 2023? Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's Solid State Podcast. I'm your host, John Joyce. I'm Eric Sargent. And I'm Cody Toscano. And we are here this week to come full circle more than a year later, I'm pretty sure, you know, in, in typical solid state fashion, no homework done before pressing record nope. today. But um, I do know that run. that's right. No, better than a year ago, I believe we, we talked about in 2022 um, what it was like trying to build a PC amidst the what we now know as kind of the back end of the pandemic era supply chain shortages and just the either the complete inability to get certain components or if you could they were just dramatically overpriced above msrp just all of that was still happening and did happen for months after we made that episode and if we're all real for a second it's still going on i mean sure we're back to quote unquote msrp on a lot of these things but if you factor the inflation that went into those MSRP prices since before the pandemic, they're still just head and shoulders above what we were paying pre 2020. Oh, yeah, so, for sure. Um, but that said, um, here we are 2023 and I am the crazy person that took it upon himself to do a ground up build. As I saw many of the components that I kind of watched throughout and, and it kind of going back to that, that old episode real quick, the, the key takeaway we took was I couldn't build yeah, a computer it was so in 2022. ridiculously expensive. Yeah. That, that was the net result was it was going to be more than double pretty much what it, what it should have cost for me to build it. So if you remember, we went and uh, we went out and bought an off the shelf Alienware PC and then performed right. a series of upgrades to it to kind of bring it up to the spec of more or less what I would have built myself. But it but still wasn't exactly what you wanted, but it was no. a compromise. Yeah, it to, was a compromise. To to that, get some sort of a savings in there to get kind of what you wanted, but it was, yeah, you had to back into it and Frankenstein a PC together. I, I did. And Anyone who's built a PC or frankly built anything, if you've taken the time to design something and make it like, you know, to go completely off the, the, the technical side of the fence, you know, Eric, I know you are, you know, I've seen their uh, end results of quite an accomplished woodworker. Like I know that's yeah. a hobby of yours and your father's. And that's something I, I, I hear the pride in your voice when you guys talk about the different projects that you guys make because you set out with a vision, then you made something. Yep. And that's that uh, my wife is a, you know, <laughs> possibly biased but in my opinion an incredible artist and, and she is actually ps by the yeah, way she but very um, much is, yeah um and and i admire that all the time because I've, I've long said you know i can build almost anything if you hand me some semblance of instructions for how to do it 
Right. Her ability to literally see something that doesn't exist yet and then make it exist is something that I admire in people with that level of creativity and simply something that I don't have. And the, the closest I ever will have is more on this engineering side of the world where yeah. it's, I going back to the PC, even in 2022, I knew I could see the PC I wanted to build. The problem was I literally couldn't do it. Um, and, and we got as close as we could with the components and the, and the supply chain that we had. Um, fast forward now to a, a journey that really started earlier this year. And that was, you know, it only took as long as it did because of budgets and my, my own analysis paralysis. Um, and we'll like talk that. about some of the, <laughs> oh, we will talk about some of the ridiculous things I let trip me up for weeks, if not longer on some of the details of this build. But, you know, kind of starting at the end, the end result was I was able to do it. We were finally able to build the computer end to end component for component, darn near screw for screw that I wanted to build just a year later. And when we think about the condition, the markets were in the supply chains were in that one short 12 to 15 months ago, that's a pretty big turnabout in the grand scheme. And it, it didn't just get to that condition yesterday. We've been enjoying you know, even in our professional lives, the ability to get a hold of hardware and components and materials. I mean, guys, you're on the front line of that even more than I, I know. I would hear stories of months or longer for basic things like firewalls, firewalls and laptops yeah. and monitors. Yeah. Firewalls were really bad for a while. Yeah, I think that yeah. they all got shipped in, you know, the same group of containers from their origin countries. And they all were just sitting out in Los Angeles waiting to be unloaded. And there was that problem during the pandemic where none of the ships yep. were getting unloaded. They were all just sitting there and waiting. And uh, I think we finally, all that got released so we can actually get stuff in, you know, a couple of weeks or less, like, like normal, as normal sure. as we get back to now. But yeah. Yeah, so. it's starting to feel more normal, so. And, and, and like we talked a little bit about last episode, the tech industry and many industries as a whole are feeling a little bit of the reverse rubber band effect of that, of there was the massive glut of demand. And now I, I wouldn't call it a massive glut of supply, but we're seeing a lot of that supply now rushing into the market where a large portion of the demand has already been satisfied because yeah. everyone was buying, buying, buying through those pandemic years and production was ramped up, 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 up. And as demand is starting to taper off or really has cooled off in a lot of areas, um, you know, what I remember of my freshman year economics says that supply and demand curve is probably uh, heading for the opposite side yeah. of where it was. Before. I mean, I, on, you know, specifically on computer components, I saw an article and I would, don't quote me on where it was from, but I saw an article yesterday sure. that um, they're saying, you know, if you're if you're in the market for, uh, you know, solid state drives for your computers, hold off for just a little bit longer because apparently right. they're going to drop another 20 to 30 percent in price in the next couple of months, which is right. crazy because oh, wow. the prices yeah. on they're those already cheap drives are already so cheap. They're literally yep. half or more of the price that they were when you were looking to build the computer you know, a couple of, a year ago. So, yeah, absolutely. And, and to really, you know, rain and thank you, Eric, to, to rein us in a little bit, that's actually a really great place to start because it was one of the first components I did purchase for, for this build, because that was a relatively easy choice to make. Um, yeah. yeah. So, you know, the, with the end goal being, of course, this, this PC was going to be used for some work, some productivity, but it's, it's a gaming computer. Let's just get that out of the way right now. <laughs> this is to yeah. service my hobby. It's just a convenient thing to also do a little bit of work on when I need to. But right. uh, that, that was very much the design from the get-go. 
And um, I'm actually going to end where most people start because it's where my bill is. So you would think I would start with the chassis. And so did I, except it was the <laughs> chassis that I didn't end up using. And right, we'll get right. into why here in just a little bit. But some of the other early components and, and some of these, Eric, to your point, were ones that exactly that situation last year, I ended up using initially the solid state drive that came in the Alienware PC that came because to get the one that I wanted, it was it was at 30 and 40% markups at the time. Yeah. Um, to, to get, because, um, you know, uh, NVMe or M2 storage, uh, more importantly. Um, so the M.2 storage is, if you've seen solid state drives, you've seen the ones that look like a hard drive and that they're a big boxy rectangle and they even plug in with regular hard drive SATA cables. Um, that's the old way of doing things. Um, the M.2 drive slot into a dedicated slot or group of slots on your motherboard. Um, Similar to how RAM would, if you ever installed a sticker RAM, it's kind of like that. You're just, you know, doing it horizontally. You're actually you're mm-hmm. sliding it in, clipping it down. And then um, depending on your manufacturer, there's either a top-down screw or some kind of retaining clip there to hold it in place. Um, I went with the Samsung 990 Pro, which I believe because they tend to the heat release sink and one. Everything. Yeah. So I end up going. They have they have an optional one that does not have the heatsink oh, already okay. on it, and that's, that's okay, actually okay. a really great call out, Eric. Um, when you're doing your build, pay attention to your motherboard. That was actually the next component I was going to touch on. It's a really good segue. Um, many motherboards are going to support exactly what you're talking about, where there's just a bare M.2 slot hanging out on the motherboard, and you slot your drive in, and it's just exposed to air at that point and the, the circulating air of your chassis. If that's the case, you absolutely want to buy the one that has the heat sink already attached to the drive because these M.2 drives get hot. Like any other component, these high performance drives, the byproduct of what they do is heat. And that is gonna be the through, the, the through line of this entire conversation <laughs> is my journey to wrangle in the heat of this build. And um, it's it really great. a tornado. Yeah. Pretty much, um, right in the middle of my office. Yeah, I was um, but that ask, did you get all your parts from the same like place, or did you have to? Kind of oh, phenomenal question. No, so I could have. I mean, let's call it what it is. Every component I have could have been bought on Amazon. Let's just get mm-hmm. out of the way right now. But contrary to very popular belief, I did not, I, because I always shop my components, and more than half of them came for el- from elsewhere, either because of better availability. Better mm-hmm. price. That was really the most common one. I actually got yeah. better prices several other places, including a couple brick and mortars. They do still exist. <laughs> and um, um or or just, you know, there are some vendors that I like to support for certain things. Um mm-hmm. we've talked about B and H before, and Eric and I get a lot yeah. of our camera stuff from them, and I really do enjoy supporting them when I can. And a couple of my components, when they are price for price with say an Amazon, I tend to go B and H just because yeah. they have great customer service. Their shipping is still awesome. And I just like to support them when I can, because uh, not that they're not a small company, but they're not Amazon. Right. Know? Totally. Yeah. Well, if you get everything from Amazon, it uh, definitely hurts the other places that are selling it. Directly. Well, exactly. So, but, but to answer your question, every component could have been bought there. Almost every okay. component could have been bought from B and H. Just someone had a more of a markup than I could have. Um, uh, stomached for one component, especially that we'll get to. So um, real quick on that M.2 drive, that is a really great, Eric, he called out a detail that I got lucky on. Um, so I ordered that 990 Pro because I'm cheap. I bought the, che- it, there, there was a big Samsung flash storage sale going on mm-hmm. several weeks ago, a couple months ago now on Amazon. That So that, that was an Amazon component. And it was 
far and away the cheapest place to get it. Um, that drive that I end up getting, I think retails for about two thirty, two fifty. I end up getting it for one seventy. Yeah, um, which was just a dramatic, which to your point, Eric, if that thing's going to go sub 150 here in the next few months, man, that's just, that's incredible. It's, it's, it's two, yeah. it's two terabytes of gen four storage, um, read, write speeds in excess of 7,000 megs a second. Yeah, so if you're a spec head yeah. that follows these things, yeah, like that's, terrible. that's what storage remains. One of the most in, in the us's understand it because we deal with it so much, but for the general populace or even people that I talk to about their computers and why is my computer slow? I always encourage them start with your storage because that is the most common bottleneck is I had this conversation with a business owner in the last month. Um, he had an iMac at home that at the time that he bought it and it wasn't that many years ago, especially for a Mac, mm -hmm. um, but it was pre M. Um, mm -hmm. So it was one of the old 27 inch iMacs and by old, I mean, literally the pre, the last generation they made. Um, he's like, it's just so slow. I paid all this money and this computer's so slow. And he reads off the specs. It's an I seven with 32 gigs of Ram and all this stuff. And I'm like, I hate to break it to you, man, but I know that computer. I had that computer. I had the same problem. It's got a spinning hard drive in it. Mm -hmm. And that was Apple's Achilles heel for that entire generation. They were, they were running. They were trying to do that fusion drive nonsense that the whole rest of the industry was trying to do. And I'm sorry, you can't slap a couple gigs of flash storage on top of a one terabyte, 7,200 RPM spinny drive and expect it to keep up with the rest of the components. Yeah. And the truth of any PC build, because it's the truth of anything you would engineer at this level, it will be as fast as its slowest component. That's yeah. it. And spinning hard drives, I mean, I, I don't remember off the top of my head, the, you know, 5,400, 7,200 RPM, like what the read-write speeds were for that. But it's it's usually sub 100 megs a second. Oh, they're awful. Just so, absolutely you know, and, 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 you know, now you're talking about 7,000 megs per second. And I know the, like the, the other ones, the boxy solid state drives you were talking about, those, yep. you know, the higher end Samsung ones get around four or 500 megs a second read write mm -hmm. on those, which when you put them in and replace a regular hard drive, it feels, feels like, like, like a new world. computer. Yes. Yeah. And, and then when you figure, you know, if you get one of these new computers with 7,000 megs a second, read write on top of that. Yeah. It's, yep. it's just crazy. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. So before I forget to move on, uh, so before I move on too quickly, I mean, so on the motherboard side of things, so there's most motherboards are going to have that first scenario where you buy your M.2, you put it in the slot, ratchet down, you're done. And that's where you do want either a factory installed heat spreader or heat sink or to add one yourself. And they are cheap. Um, yeah. I got one. For, I, I added an extra M.2 to my PlayStation 5 many months ago okay. and they okay. they actually made a aftermarket heat sink because the one that that samsung includes is literally just a it, it looks like they cut up a, a, an actual like a can of tuna like it's just okay. a, the most worthless piece of tin you've ever seen and i found like a proper you know intentionally designed um Aluminum heat sink heat, and all that, heat yeah. sink okay. that that molds with the contour of the ps5 but again spreads that heat out because that's where your heat's going to come from on that storage drive so but what you have to watch out for is certain well, actually, a lot of your high-performance motherboards, like the one I'm going to talk about in a second, the oh geez, Asus ROG Z790 Hero Maximus. Oh, my God. That, Dear okay. God. Sure. <laughs> yes, that yeah, was the that, entire... That old, that old chestnut. <laughs> that old chestnut. Oh, um, Looks so good it, on the billboard. 
it really does. All three of them it takes to get all the letters onto yep, it. Exactly. But anyway, um, the way they and many other those high performance motherboards work is they have pre-designed channels for the, that you slot those M.2s into. Yep. And then a factory heat spreader screws in over top of it and completely obscures them. And it actually ends up spraying the heat out over, you know, eight to 12 inches of metal versus just the couple, two, three inches that normally go over an M.2. Yeah. So it's very, very efficient. But if you buy a solid state with a factory installed heat spreader, you're either going to be trying yeah. to take it off and damaging your drive or not putting the one back on that came with your motherboard. You've defeated the purpose of something you've already paid good money for. So, yeah. um, I hadn't ever had to think about that before, and I lucked in because, again, I cheaped out and bought the cheap one, and yeah. it was cheaper because it didn't have, didn't the, heat have the heat stink. spreader. And then it worked out real great. And then we'll talk about when we get to the motherboard itself, a really interesting feature. I guess I should back up. I didn't set the stage with one thing properly. We've talked a lot about the computers we've had through our lives on this show, the computers mm -hmm. we've built that we've had. I've been doing this most of my life um, on and off because you know, I don't build a computer every year, but it's been... A few years since the last time I did an end-to-end, -end, like down to the screws design build. Yeah, that's what I that's learned. Sure. I learned more during this process because more has changed since the last time I did this just a few years ago than in all the years I've been doing this combined. Um, it was, I mean, I'm just that lunatic that it was that was the fun for me, was yeah. Yeah, sure. scratching my head for countless hours trying to figure out. And I mean, and be, again, because I'm me, I refuse to Google these things. So I'm literally digging through the inch thick manuals that now come with these motherboards <laughs> yeah. because that's how much they need to cover. It was, just, we'll get into some of, I could go on for five hours about, you know, if you're just a weirdo like me that really enjoys that kind of stuff, like the, the amount of stuff that's changed so dramatically in just a few years because this technology is advancing at such a breakneck pace. Uh, I will admit I had fallen into the, the camp of believing, you know, nothing's really changing. Sure. M.2 is faster than SATA and this and that and a 4090 is faster than the 3090. No, there are things and stuff that are going on with these devices that if you're not paying attention to it, you're going to go to build a computer and not, and not know how. And I was closer than I would have expected to not having been able to complete this build without help. Mm. And I love that. I, the, again, yeah. the amount that I learned was was really really cool. So, um, so on the so that was the the SSD side of things. Um, so Samsung nine ninety Pro two terabytes, excess of seven thousand megs a second. We got a good base. We got good storage yeah, because definitely. wherever you're going to put your operating system, uh, software, games, media, you name it, that storage is going to be where your speed starts and for many people ends mm. right there you can you can blow the entire build out of the gate by choosing the wrong storage um and don't cheap out do not get a smaller ssd for your operating system and a quote-unquote big cheap spinny drive to put your games on yeah, yeah not uh, it's it, again you'll load windows in five seconds mm -hmm. and then load your game in five and a yeah. half minutes and i can oh, yeah. and i can speak to that because i have an older computer that that i you know and it was much like your franken pc that you built john yep. it's it's a Dell um, XPS desktop XPS, yeah. that I upgraded, you know, and, and it was years ago that I bought it and it's now used by my son because he plays a lot of older games and it still runs those fine. So I've upgraded components here and there. And I had that scenario where I had a smaller SSD and then a large, like a, I think it was like a three or four terabyte drive, spinning drive in there. And he's got a, you know, again, not a sponsor. He's got a game called New World on there that's like a, mm -hmm. you know, multiplayer, online multiplayer game. And uh, 
I went in to start it up the other day just to test it when it was on that drive because I switched the hard drive to a larger one. I went to test that one. It took a it took nine full minutes from double clicking to getting to the menu to launch the game. And then it took another four or five minutes to launch the game. So we were, we were 15 minutes in before I could start moving the character around. Wow. And then we, and then we moved the whole thing over to, um, I, I got the, um, nine seventy, um, because it, it has a, the slot and it is gen three. There's no point in getting a, a gen yeah. four yeah, because it won't, it won't use those yeah. speeds. Yeah, don't so overbuy I, your components either. Right. No, if you're, if you're backing into an existing build, don't overbuy because you're throwing away dollars. Right. Exactly. Point. I can't, yeah. I would never be able to get the throughput that you can get on that new motherboard. So I got the 970 and I got it for dirt cheap. I got a two terabyte for, it was under a hundred dollars. So yeah, it was, it was crazy cheap. So I put two terabytes in there and I moved all of the startup files from beginning to end. I was in and, controlling the character in in uh, i think it was um 50 some odd seconds under a minute oh wow so yeah un, under a minute compared to almost 15 so it yep. was insane the difference and going from the spinning like that's like real world from spinning to ssd it's the, di- it's that. the so difference a hundred dollars can make so yeah. you know there's your there's your biggest solid state tip of the week really if yeah. you're if you're using your computer and you just don't understand why it's so slow ask someone to check out your storage really yeah. because that is where so many computers and just sit and wait to die and again don't go out and just buy components either make sure that your computer can handle it because again i'm lucky that the computer i bought a few years ago had an older m2 slot in it that i could use a lot of those older computers don't they just have sata so the best you'll be able to do is one of those boxy ones that get you 500 megs a second read write which still if you've got a spinning drive is huge but you're just not going to be able to get those like crazy speeds we're talking about so talk to talk to your Local you know, son-in-law, whoever, the, the, the guy you go to for your computer stuff and, yeah, and, that's know, right. and see what they can tell you about it. Uh, so I already alluded, so that was storage. Um, and, and many are going to, and many boards, the last thing on that are going to support, uh, multiple of those M.2 drives. So, you know, it's a perfectly legitimate to do a one drive for your operating system, then put your software and games over on another one, spread your storage out that can have some positive performance impacts as well as you're spreading out the input output across different lanes. Um, but that leads me to, so I already mentioned that ASUS, I'm just going to shorten it. The Z790, um, it, it is, oh, come it is on. one of their. Uh, no, I the, the episode would be too long if I said that thing every time. Um, no, so this the Z seven ninety motherboard is made for it is so the Z seven ninety chipset. You're going to see that that character number string across multiple you know uh, manufacturers. Z seven ninety is the current highest level chipset available for the Intel platform. So I went. This is an Intel build. Um, all of you AMD folks out there, I have nothing against you. I've had many AMD computers. It's not what I did this time. I'm offended, John. So please don't email me. <laughs> Um, I can already feel the chagrin of a good friend of mine who's staring daggers at me through this episode. And she's yeah. not even listening to the episode yet, but that's fine. Um, anyway, so I went in and tell this route Z790 chipset. Um, on this particular motherboard, I'm un- I'm unboxing it and installing it in my first chassis. And again, we'll get back to that in a second. Um, and there's this card in the box, like a, like a, like a expansion card. If you ever installed like a video card or, a, or a, you know, external modem, anything like that, like it was an actual PCI express card. I could not figure out for the life of me what the heck it was. I'm looking at, it, I'm thinking, did it come with an external audio card? Like what expansion yeah, was this? And again, because I set out, I was not going to be Googling this stuff. I start flipping through the manual and, um, it was, is a PCI express. M.2 
card with two slots in it. Um, and I had to do my research as to, okay, why? Like what? Cause I looked, there were, there are several M.2 slots mm-hmm. on the motherboard. So in my thought, I'm like, well, convention for me has always been. So if you look down at a motherboard, I was taught very early on motherboard geography, the fastest is going to be closest to the CPU. Mm-hmm. So when you're looking for ports, find the one close to the CPU. If you're looking for slots, find the one close to the CPU. And there was an M.2 slot that was very obviously the closest one to the CPU. I'm like, okay, that's where I would install my drive. And originally where I did. And as I'm reading about it, there was, and I did finally, you know, I wanted external opinions. So I should say, I didn't want to Google any how-tos, but sometimes you do want to find out like, what is the community figured out about right. good versus bad on this stuff? So I went to some forums and looked into what people's opinions were of this. It's called the ROG HyperCard, um, M- M.2 HyperCard, because like it. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, you, you cannot make this stuff up. So I look into the HyperCard and... While there were some differing opinions on it, many folks were using the classic. There's a slot right next to the CPU. Put it in there. You'll be fine. Yeah. What I discovered about this car and the reason why I wanted to point out why I used it is if you utilize that M.2 slot closest to the CPU because of the architecture of the board, it will be sharing PCI lanes with your video card. Uh. So theoretically, they will be vying for the same... So. We're not going to spend a ton of time on this, but on any motherboard, you look at it and it looks like a super highway of normally gold or silver lines. Those are, those are lanes. So those are literal physical connections between that port, that slot, that whatever back to the CPU and the, and the memory and whatnot. By using the onboard slots for the M.2, you're going to be sharing some of those PCI lanes with your video card. And when we get to my video card, anyone who knows will understand no, I was yeah. not willing to waste <laughs> any of those lanes on anything else because yeah, good you Lord, I paid for every last one of those yeah. video card lanes. Yeah. So the idea, so the idea was, oh, and if you wanted, there is a there is a generation of PCI. I'm sorry, of M.2 even newer than what I ended up purchasing. There is Gen Five storage. Yeah. I do not. It's still silly expensive. I wasn't going to get any of the benefit out of it. Um, and the other, in the event, so to get Gen 5 storage true, I would have needed to use the onboard. Using that HyperCard, I was able to drop my Gen 4 M.2 into that card. Use on this motherboard, there's two Gen 5 PCIe slots and one Gen 4. I already knew from how I laid out the board, I needed, because of the width of my graphics card, both Gen 5 slots, that geography of the board for my graphics card. So the Gen 4 was the only one I was going to be able to hit anyway and not ruin my airflow. So I dropped the M.2 into the card, dropped the card into the chassis. What I ended up with was because of four dedicated PCIe lanes just for my storage. That, yep. Like not shared with anything else. Yeah. That PCIe slot by nature of what it is, has its own lanes back to the CPU. And while they are a little bit longer, like it's a lot further distance across the board, they're dedicated. Mm. So that input-output traffic from my storage will be wholly dedicated to that storage and not interact with the GPU. And what I love about that card is, if I wanted to, I get a second identical um, 990 and do a software RAID 1 and actually do a RAID pair of M.2s. Or more, yeah. yeah. 
Or more realistically, what I'm going to end up doing is get a second four terabyte drive when they do come down in price some more, and then more better distribute my IO and have my operating system and general files yeah. on the two terabyte and dedicate that four terabyte to my heavier games, media, et cetera. So yeah. I just love the flexibility that gave me and allowed me to physically discreetly separate my storage input output from what's coming in and out from my video card. And that just, that was, that was one of the really cool thought exercises I got to go through and I got to make the choice. Mm -hmm. I still have many slots left on my motherboard. If storage becomes that much of a premium, I could still drop even more drives into this, into this build. It would just be, you know, sharing some PCI space with my video card, which I don't intend on doing because again, I'm nowhere near needing beyond six terabytes of storage for yeah. what this device, I have a NAS for a reason. Like my big media lives on a 48 terabyte Synology for a reason. Yeah, and if you didn't go through the manual, you might've just hooked it up without the card and, and Absolutely. realized your throughput was lower. Than well, and, yeah, and like you like you let in with, you you these are things that have really changed since mm -hmm. the last time you did a build. I mean, that, yep. that wasn't even the, the computer that I have that's, you know, older, but it's not crazy old. It has an M2 slot, but there's, you know, there's there was no discussion about you know sharing the PCI lanes any of that kind of stuff yep. it wasn't an yeah. issue then so it wasn't even something that was thought about when they were designing the motherboard so that's pretty interesting it's it's really cool stuff so that that was the saga of storage that at least then got us to the motherboard um quick aside on the motherboard and I should set the stage for the next list of components um I, I did for the first time ever and this is all Cody's fault because he baited me with it I, I went a little RGB heavy on this one yeah. I've never done and as so RGB for those who don't know is when you can is when you install components that have configurable lighting on them um, so I can, there are quite literally hundreds of individual light points now throughout this computer that I can customize and do all sorts of ridiculous patterns. And um, that created its own set of problems I'm still dealing with. So thanks, Cody. Appreciate you for that. It, it definitely became uh, like more normal. Like most parts, I feel like have RGB on them now. Like all the parts have it, but then mm -hmm. you, which we'll get to, you have to turns out control all those things, but we'll get to it. So this motherboard does have, it's crazy to me. So as you, if you're looking top down at any motherboard, there's typically the, a big metal bar underneath, which is all of your ports that stick out the back of your computer. So HDMI, mm -hmm. ethernet, you know, it, what have you. Um, that's normally just a metal bar when you're looking on top of any motherboard. Well, Asus looked at it and says, you know what we could put there? An LCD display. <laughs> so I'm literally staring at my computer right now, which is off. Every other light except for the power standby light is off inside that chassis. And currently just just glistening at me is it goes through Asus, ASUS, ROG, and then Hero with the Asus logo. <laughs> I literally have a glowing Asus billboard in my office right yeah. now. And I don't know how it, well, I know exactly how I feel about it. But never the good news is it. the good well, the good news is it is configurable. So I haven't taken the time to go in there and do it. So I have to decide what I want my motherboard to All right, yell I have at idea. me I have an idea for, you for this. If you oh, can boy, get, like, a gear that's like a like a space background and then like a ship, whatever sci-fi ship you like, like flying past the screen, like over the space background. That could be cool. So that is a great idea because <laughs> it segues really well over to I'm literally you guys, the listeners can't see me, but I'm staring at the computer, walking visually through it component by component so I don't forget any. So we started my storage, got over to the motherboard itself. It's ridiculous lit billboard that's attached to it. And then right next to it is the CPU. 
again, typically a very boring part. I mean, it's a very important part, but on the whole, a boring visual area of the computer. Yes. Mm -hmm. And it is. Um, it is, for those that care, an Intel Core i9. Yes, they haven't changed the naming convention yet. Don't get me started. Um, Intel mm -hmm. Core i9 13900K, simply meaning it is on the upper end of the i9 space. It is the one that is overclockable. Should I want to? I do not. Um, yeah, I never. I tend either. to apply. Yeah, the, I, I tend to apply similar logic to my computers I do to my cars. The much smarter person that works at the people that made it know how much car know how much power this platform can handle. I'm not going to mess with it. Mm -hmm. um, Again, I'll change an air filter all day long. I'm not going to go in and chip my my car and, and add 100 horsepower to a to a you know, um, yeah. to, to a thermal system that can't handle it. That's how you totally. explode things. Yeah. Same things with your computers. I I will happily buy a component that I need to point a bunch of fans at and then buy better fans to make it run at its you know peak efficiency. But mm -hmm. going in and changing its clock speed and whatnot, not worth it. We would yeah. just rather yeah. buy a better component that's then warranted and actually will work correctly. Oh, so. Yeah. 13900K, uh, but so that that's, you know, I guess the quick aside on the CPU, it is the current generation, 13th generation Core i9. They are, they do have a naming convention change coming up. Um, they're dropping the i, I think. Anyway, we're not going to get yeah. into it. Um, <laughs> they're dropping the i and adding an ultra or something. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, wonderful. Um, yeah. So this specific one, and what actually it's the main reason I went Intel for this build because AMD had been doing this for a while. I really was f uh, fascinated to get hands-on with Intel's take on this CPU structure, which is it's 24 cores total, physical cores, 16 of which are performance cores, eight of which are efficiency cores. Mm -hmm. Now, again, efficiency was not at all part of the conversation in designing this computer. <laughs> yeah. Won't ever make you know right. lies about that. But I was still curious to see how that would perform out. Um, because really just those 16 performance cores, uh, 32 thread, 32 performance threads, cause it's a, you know, a hyper threaded processor. Um, so far it's been doing great. I mean, I haven't done like actual stress testing on to see where the breakpoint is for the efficiency versus the performance cores, but that blended core design, one of the first you know, attempts from Intel to do that. And I've historically had great Intel experience. We wanted to see how they pulled it off. So that's, uh, that's where we ended on the CPU front. Nothing more. It's a beast. I mean, there's not a whole yeah. lot more to say about that CPU than it's a it's freaking the, it's beast. It's the top tier from Intel. So, yeah. yeah. And the way you make sure it runs like a beast is to cool the crap out of it. So that is where the first stage of my cooling saga came in. And that is, here we go again, boys. The Corsair, let me see if I get this right. Corsair H150i IQ Elite. <laughs> Wait, so are there two I's or did you just do a pause and repeat the I? No, I'm pretty sure it's H150I space IQ space elite. I do not have it in front of me, but it's it's utterly ridiculous. But um, <laughs> the, the software is called IQ, so maybe that's where I'm getting it from. Yep, I don't yeah, know. Yep. IQ, I use that too. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, it's, it's basically, it's a, it's a closed loop liquid cooling system uh, with a massive over 300 millimeter radiator that goes across the, in my build, the top of my PC with three RGB, thanks Cody, fans <laughs> going across the top of it. Um, but what really landed me, oh, I left something out. The end of that name, LCD. There that's the very yeah. last thing because this is the model specifically that much like my motherboard has a configurable LCD duct tape to the top of it. This cooler, so the, the, the an AIO or an all-in-one cooling solution for your CPU involves two major components, three really. The, um, the first two are the combination radiator and fans that go somewhere in your case. 
The other is the actual portion that attaches to the top of your CPU. If you've built a computer many moons ago, this is where you would have traditionally put your your downward facing fan or heat sink or something like that. To Usually to a big push, chunk of copper with a fan attached. Right. To, yeah. to push cool air down on your CPU. Well, these work similarly, but just different enough where there is still a heat sink of sorts that goes on top of the CPU with a water radiator block that, um, that cycles water over top or liquid, I should say, over top of the CPU constantly cooling it. Well, this, they decide to duct tape an LCD to the top of it that once again, you can configure to do pretty much whatever you want. So currently, because I'm still in like the testing stages of this, so the, the data is most important to me. I have it on one of its default settings where it's literally showing me the live CPU temperature mm -hmm. at all times. Yeah. So I can just glance over at the computer and see what, what is my CPU uh, environment running at 30, 35, 40 degrees Celsius, whatever be the case. So um, that's from a utility perspective, very, very helpful. But Cody, I had been thinking once I feel more confident about yeah. uh, about those numbers, I was thinking like a nice little like warp tunnel, like the stars yeah, flying yeah, by, because totally. like, yeah, it's circular yeah. already. So it just mm -hmm. seemed to make sense to have like the star field flying by. Yeah, was yeah totally. My, my, my idea for, for that bit, so. Do you find um, yourself hyper-focusing on those stats. Now you're like using the computer. You're like, Oh, excessively. What's the temp? What's the the, temp? That, that's why I know I need to change it. It's the same reason I'm the monster that turns off the battery percentage and all of his devices yeah. because I obsess, I obsess over that number. Oh, my battery went down 2%. Why? What app is sucking my battery? Like, mm -hmm. it's just like, I, I obsess about the number too much. So I remove myself from the problem or the yeah. problem from myself. I've actually done that on mine too. I don't have, I don't have the percentage yeah. on mine yeah, John turned because me out of that. Of that Mm -hmm. because of that and i hate the way that apple does it now where it's like the percentage is inside the battery the, I, yeah. I hate it so i just turn it off <laughs> yep no so um so that's through our processor aio cooler um we might as well just address the literal 400 pound elephant in the room that is the there's no other way to describe it by best glance 16 inch probably chunk of metal that's grafted to the top of this poor motherboard, weighing it down. Um, yeah. That is the NVIDIA GeForce RTX 4090 OC tough Asus okay. video card. <laughs> I, I, have to, I have to throw this out here before I forget. Um, uh -huh. You know, we have to throw it up on social media or something. Um, I, I would like you to do a character count of all the characters for on all, all the of the different components and add it up and see how many how many characters there are for all of these components. Yeah, it's um it's it's like someone at the, you know, insert big brand computer company here watched a Formula 1 race mm -hmm. and saw all the cars with just all the stickers up and down them of yeah. all the sponsors both large and small and said Oh, we could do better than that. Yeah, like that's what it feels like because every single on one of these, every component has a five to nine word name. <laughs> um, but no, so the the RTX forty ninety again, much like the i nine, it is the currently top tier. Um, they have not yet. They will eventually come out with a forty ninety Ti. They do not have one yet. So this forty ninety yeah. OC, the OC, something we mean is factory overclocked. And I don't personally overclock my devices, but I'm perfectly willing to buy factory OC stuff. So, and we're talking, it's a handful of megahertz difference, but it, right. it actually came down to, it was the better value per dollar that was available at the time. To set the stage, going back to our conversation last year, um, at the time, these video cards were hundreds, if not a thousand or more dollars over MSRP. I think when we looked, they were almost double. 
Yeah, it was, it was, it was truly. Yeah, yeah. Well, that was the crux of the whole Alienware move was at the time right. in 2022, oh, really I was able to buy that entire Alienware that had a 3080 in it for just about what a 3080 was going on the open market, just right. the video card yep. at the time. So, um, so, so where we come full circle a year plus later, I got this 4090, $100 under MSRP. It was actually on sale. Yeah, and just like that doesn't sound like a big deal when we're talking about a video card that has a comma in it, but the fact that it was available at for a dollar under MSRP is such a dramatic yeah. market shift from mere months ago. Um, it it really was a, It's what made this entire the video card is what held down my vision for this build for over as we've talked about for almost two years. Um, the other components were a few dollars high here, a couple dollars over there. The video card being in excess of a thousand dollars over what it should have been made the entire build just i won't do it i won't yeah. feed that beast oh yeah but to be able to get in at or under msrp on virtually all these components suddenly made it doable again just a year later yeah i replaced most of my components in november and except for the graphics card it was like the one thing i it was that was still just crazy. couldn't stomach yeah yep. so if you've seen a standard we'll call it pc most uh, <laughs> video cards are attached at a 90 degree angle. So your PC is standing upright. Your motherboard is attached vertically. So it's like flat against the base of your chassis. And then your GPU plugs in at an angle. They're creating a 90 degree angle where back in the good old days, just the mere support of the PCI slot into the motherboard coupled with a single screw attaching it to the chassis was more than enough to support the weight of that measly little video card. <laughs> Not so. If I was ever stranded in the ocean and needed to throw anchor to wait for rescue, <laughs> I feel like I could attach a rope to this video card and stop the boat. Um, it, it's, it's, it's enormous to the point that it was breaking people's computers because the weight of the video card was sagging the PCI slot so badly. Yeah. It was breaking the PCI slot off of people's motherboards. Um, and I love the tech industry so much. Their fix for this was not improve the efficiency of the cooling. Their fix was not engineer better materials to make it Lighten lighter. Load, yeah. Their solution was to include in the box what we have now effectually come to call the peg leg, which is a literal height adjustable metal golf pencil that you prop up underneath your video card between the floor of the chassis and the video card to support the weight. Ridiculous. Yeah, they're, they're coming in the box now. <laughs> You yes. have to buy your own little. <laughs> oh no, it's in the box. I'm sure a lawyer <laughs> so they told them they, they had they to do it before they sold it. They're like this. Thing oh God, yes. <laughs> so it's in the box. Um, couple things about that. A, it looks stupid. It mm. just does. If you're spending this much money on a computer, you don't want a peg leg. No. I'm here to tell you, you mm. don't want a peg leg. Does, Second of does all, does the peg leg have RGB though? It does not. Although they do sell them. Oh, Countless of okay. them. Okay, I was Countless kidding. Countless okay. of no, 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 no countless options for RGB peg legs in case you're wondering. Um, but if you don't want a golf pencil holding mm -hmm. up your very expensive video card and your very expensive computer build that you've obsessed down to the screws about, um, there are solutions. Um, this is one of those moments that I spent an entire weekend trying to figure out the way to do this um, in an aesthetically pleasing way to me. And what I found 
was a company called Up. UP, fewest number of characters in any component nice. in this build. Called yeah. Up. And Congratulations, these, guys. These geniuses, and I do mean that, have crafted a metal bar, just a thin bar of aluminum that, so the, I should back up, the RTX 3090 is so wide, it takes up three PCI slots in your in your chassis, three wide. Um, that's, that's this <laughs> slots over top of all three of those slots. So you can reuse the same screw holes. Oh, I'm sorry. It sits over two out of the three. So it, ta- it goes over two out of the three of the same ones the RTX is already in. And then it uses up one more. So it goes one slot further down. You screw those in. And then protruding out underneath is just a, we'll call it seven or eight inch metal bar that what do you know, supports the video yeah, card from way. underneath. And gives it enough support from the from the tension of it coming, you know, the, the the physical support coming off the side of the chassis is enough mm-hmm. to hold the card in place without the need for a peg leg. I will tell you, it wasn't just my ridiculous OCD about having this golf pencil holding my video card that was the problem. It also segues into the other thing. I have 10 case fans in this build. Yeah. So your <laughs> peg leg would have sat on in the yeah. middle of a fan. Yeah. 10 case fans in the build and three of them are in the bottom. Yeah. Mm, yeah. So yeah, I've done a 60, 40 split positive airflow, which we're going to get into more of that. Again, things I learned. More math. Um, <laughs> um, so much maths. Um, so three of my fans, specifically the ones bringing cool air into the case, adorn the bottom of the chassis, uh, blowing cool air directly onto that M.2 hypercard we talked about earlier and the video card. Mm-hmm. Guess what? If I use the peg leg the way they intended it, the peg leg would stick into one of the fans, which might just cause a little bit of a problem you with fan performance. It would only be yeah. a small fire. It's fine. Yeah, no big deal. I feel like a lot of cases have bottom fans too. Like that's surprising. Yeah, it's it, the leg like that. Yeah. Really, it truly goes to show. I will tell you, th- these guys over at up, and, and they aren't the only ones that make it. Like th- that should be the pack in. If mm-hmm. you're going to sell yeah. me a card that expensive, that heavy, that you know full well cannot be supported by the mounting solution you've included, that's what they should be packing in. Period. End of conversation. Mm-hmm. So if you're listening, Asus, that's that's my guidance. Go give the lovely people, go give the lovely people at up a very nice check and then just add two more letters to the end of your video card. Yep. It can be the Asus Tough GeForce RTX 4090 OC up. I see go. no problem Perfect. with this. Yeah. We can afford it's only more two letters. letters. Yeah. You barely need to make the box bigger. That's right. Yeah, so. I just have an amiibo holding up holding up my card. Nice. You do not. Yeah, I found there's like a a robot one, so he's like underneath mine holding. That's the single greatest thing I've ever heard in my entire life. I we will be needing to put a picture of that up somewhere. Yeah, I need to grab it. Um. Anyway, so the last thing I want to say, like direct components wise, um, RAM, not an exciting topic by any stretch, but it is to me in the same realm as storage. RAM is very, it can be a least common denominator. It can be that, it can be that bottleneck thing. So I went over and above. I will tell 
anyone, no one should be buying a computer anymore with less than 16 gigs of RAM. You just shouldn't, totally. especially if it's a PC. Mm-hmm. On the Mac side of things, I can make the case for a lot of people to be just fine on an, yeah. on an 8 gig if Mac. Doing regular, yeah, regular if you're doing stuff, regular yeah. productivity stuff or schoolwork or what have you. But on a PC, really, um, just the, the difference in memory management, get 16 gigs. Um, if you're gaming, get 32. I ended oh, yeah. up going for 64 in this build um, oh, very nice. just because it, yeah, so I went for 64. Um, Corsair is a very common name throughout this build. They they made that all-in-one I talked about. They made the fans we're going to talk about in a second. Yep. And they made, so I went for the uh, six, so 32 by two, meaning it's a matched pair of 32 gigabyte um, Corsair Dominator RAM sticks, RGB. Yeah, RGB. <laughs> uh, more configurable RGB. And, um, but this is another one of those asides where I had to educate myself or re-educate myself. And I've always known that like, this does go back as far as my last build and well before figuring out your Ram has never been like the easiest task, Ram timings and things like that. But what I did learn is Ram technology has run out ahead of CPU technology from a speed perspective. Mm. You can, this is one of the situations where I said, Oh, I'll happily pay for the manufacturer to overclock it and just get more speed that way. Yeah. This is one area where I had to reel it back in. I had RAM in my cart that was, it wasn't the fastest, but it was up there. And it, it, by my initial math, it satisfied the best, you know, it was the best dollar per megahertz. Like I was getting the most bang for my buck out of this yeah. particular, you know, pair that I had found. They were in the cart and I did just one last little bit of research and found that I want to say they were 6,200 megahertz and then found out that the going back to my processor that i9 13900k has a maximum theoretical officially supported speed for memory of either i think it was it was either 54 or 5600 megahertz well under the 6200 that i had in my cart yeah the only way what i had set myself up for out of the box was blue screens for for just endless blue like the computer would run fine and then it would top out that RAM and no blue screen. Now they're not just selling you bad components. There are ways to make it work, but you have to dive into your BIOS and start messing with XMP and timings. And it's all basically a dramatic journey of trial and error to still more than likely have the occasional blue screen and other issues because it is a clock speed that is not technically supported by your CPU. So you can essentially get one or two frames a second squeezed out of certain games that would really rely heavily on that RAM speed. And and even even that... Even that is highly unlikely. The true research I did showed that the the net realistic performance games were not only nil, they were virtually non-existent. Right. Um, these, are, these are primarily for true performance enthusiasts that are going for, they're, they're fighting for benchmarks. And I love those guys. It's, again, coming from the car world, that's no different than someone that dumps, you know, five grand into their car to shave two tenths of a second off their zero to 60. You know what I mean? Right. Like that's, that that is... I appreciate it. I appreciate the 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 value and the engineering that goes into it. But that's not the the intent of my build was to build as powerful a machine as I could that was going to be as stable as possible. Because I support people's technology for a living. I don't want to come <laughs> home and support my own. Totally, um, I want absolutely. it to work. So I matched up the fastest RAM I could buy that was, I, I, I forgive me, I do forget if it was 54, 5600 RPM. Google it. If you're looking to do a build, just literally look up, you know, um, max RAM clock speed for, you know, and insert then insert your processor, your processor yeah. here. Yeah. For mine, it was either 54 or 5600 megahertz. I bought, of course, I had an exactly matched pair for that 32 mm-hmm. by two. Um, 
and and I did and I've seen it in the in the BIOS. It's detecting all that speed. It's it's running great. So um, you know, all all good on the on the Dominator front. Um, so that really led us to both the first and the last components that I did. Um, we'll touch finally on the uh, oh, I should, I should, the power supply again, Corsair again. I did a um, thousand thousand watt um, fully modular. You know, again, not a very exciting topic. I will say, if you're designing a build, go full modular on your PSU. Oh yeah, definitely. And and overbuy. That's one place to overbuy on the wattage because mm -hmm. I mean it never I, hurts because I could have gotten more power hungry in the future. You'll have it built in. Yeah, I could have gotten away with 750 or 850, probably maybe even 650. I don't know. Maybe probably not though with that 4090. Yeah. But I I always overbuy because we're talking increments of 20 or so dollars. We're we are not we're not increasing prices by a hundred or even more dollars. It's right. not that much more expensive to go up on your power supply. And it'll last you a um, long but time. Yeah. The, yeah. the main reason for full modular is what that means is instead of an old school power supply that would just had a big bundle of cables coming out the back of it with every possible power connector, it's instead the whole flat uh, back panel of it is ports and you plug in power cables that match the components that you need. So if you need three SATA connectors, you connect three SATA headers. If you need, you know, two for your GPU, you plug in two for your GPU. So when you're done, when it comes down to cable management, um, you're only connecting as many cables as you need for the components you have. It helps keep a clean build. You don't have just endless, you know, zip ties of unused cables shoved in the back of your case. It's just the way to go. Um, fans. So every, the, the commonality between every component we've described in the last 45 minutes is that every single one of them is just ruinously hot i9 crazy hot 4090 you could boil and i mean you, you could fry an egg the storage we talked about even that dominator memory has factory installed rgb heat sinks a because they look cool b because those sticks of ram get really freaking yeah. hot they're the heaviest ram i've ever held um i mean heck even that asus motherboard i talked about has factory installed heat spreaders on the top and bottom of the motherboard to shield the motherboard components from the ambient heat of the components they know full well you're going to be connecting to it because it's a gaming grade motherboard. So like heat is the equation for all, for a lot of this. And um, so for those fans, I did an array of, and this is including the three on the, it's important to note, this is including the three that are on that um, all-in-one cooler I talked about earlier for the CPU, um, or should I say for, for the radiator for the CPU. So there are 10 discrete fans in total, not including the GPU and the um, power supply because those are built in. So 10 discrete fans. Um, the are, the design that I did, because there's a lot of prevailing schools out there, positive, negative, so on and so forth. I went for what's called a 60-40 positive split, meaning if there's 10 fans, I have six of them bringing cold air in and four of them pushing hot air out. And the idea behind that is to be forcing more cold air in, um, which will in turn help push that hot air out and actually make the four exhaust fans more efficient because the physics of that cold air is going to help push it, you know, push it out through those fans. Um, without getting too crazy into the logistics of it all, um, the six input fans are along the bottom and the upper rear, or sorry, the upper back of the chassis, um, trying to position that as far away from the warm air as possible. And also warm air rises, cool air descends. So we're trying to suck in cold air from beneath the PC. And then we're exhausting all of that warm air out through a single fan in the back, back of the chassis. And then that, uh, that three array going over the, um, radiator from the CPU is pushing out the top of the case. Interesting. So, 
Um, all those are RGB <laughs> controlled. Yeah. Controlled by that IQ software I talked about earlier, going back mm-hmm. to things I had to learn. Cause it's my first build that uses all this RGB stuff. Um, you don't just get to plug the fan in, not mm. the way that works. <laughs> you have to have, in my case, multiple RGB controllers in your case where the fans not only get power, but they receive their RGB instructions and they have to go into USB headers on your motherboard. Do your math. This is where John did not do his math. John had four between the display on the CPU's um, cooler and three different fan controllers. I ended up with four USB headers and only two headers on my motherboard. Because USB is now so legacy, I have several USB 3 and USB-C headers on yeah. my motherboard. I only have two USB 2 headers on my motherboard because it's considered a legacy input. That's that's still the input these controllers use to this day are old school USB 2.0 yeah, They don't need a lot of throughput for it, so yeah. yeah. Yep, so um, turns out splitters work just fine. They have one to two splitters, Amazon, plenty of other places, Newegg. Um, inexpensive, get them in advance or else you'll be waiting an extra one to two days to light up all your lights for your splitter to arrive. So if there's another little top tip, um, so the Corsair fans going to the Corsair controllers, all configurable to that IQ software Cody was talking about earlier, which basically lets you upload all sorts of lighting patterns and just mm-hmm. won't get too deep in that. The net effect is really, really cool. You can truly make the lights look like whatever you want. Just yeah, there's a ton of options in there. So I wanted to round out and end on, I said, where I started and where I ended because I bought two different chassis. As, and I've been <laughs> dancing around the chassis this entire time because I bought yeah. two. This build started, ended, and started over again twice um, because I started, and there's nothing wrong with it. I started with the Razer Tomahawk um, mid-tower ATX case. Great case would build in it again in a different build situation. Um, got a really, really smart design, very, very narrow comparatively. If you want something that's gonna be low pro, lower profile against a wall or something like that. Um, glass on both sides, the glass kind of opens in a suicide door kind of configuration. It's, it's a really oh, yeah. smart, neat looking case. The power supply and all your cables go into a dedicated compartment at the bottom of the chassis. So it's a little bit taller, but narrower because of that. Great, impossible for the build I ended up doing because of that freaking GPU. (laughs) It's so large. Yeah. Um, I would have had a hard time between the GPU and that M.2 hypercard I talked about because of where they sit in the PCI slots and with the whole bottom of the Razer case being the compartment where the PSU went, I ran into a genuine cooling conundrum. I had no good ability to get the amount of air I knew I needed to those components in that design. I needed those the, the, those bottom fans I talked about earlier that ruined mm-hmm. the peg leg, thank God. Um, I needed those fans and those weren't an option in the Razer case. So I had to go back to the drawing boards. Okay, how do I get fans to the bottom of this case? And there is a newer design theory out there for chassis design called dual chamber. So most chassis are a single big cavernous chamber, maybe with a small compartment like the Razer had where you stick your cables and nonsense in your power supply. This, so that's more of a, you know, vertical split. This is a horizontal, I guess it's more of a horizontal split. I mean, this is more of a vertical split. So it's like someone 
took the chassis and then carved it not quite in half, more like 75-25, where width-wise, the back 25% of the chassis is a completely isolated compartment for your power supply, for your um, cables, for your RGB controllers. Again, thank God I ended up this route because I needed all that space for three freaking RGB controllers. (laughs) And um, um, if you had additional SATA drives, there's a whole, in this chassis, there's a whole mounting bracket for an array of SATA SSDs. If you want to do a slightly slower but larger uh, SSD array, independent of your M.2 lanes. So just all that nonsense and all of your cabling sins. And I did my best to cable manage this from the front and I have Velcroed what I could in the back. It's still just, when you're talking about yards or meters of you know net cabling shoved into a two by two area, yeah. it, there's no way for it to be that clean. It, you have to do right. like custom fitted cables, get any cleaner. You're able to hide all that in the back and it's completely invisible. So from the front of my build, all you can see is the few cables going to their ports on the motherboard and, um, and, and the AIO for the, the, the water lanes for the all-in-one cooler. Yeah, that keeps so it nice and clean. That, yeah, the, the, the dual chamber design really made my build possible because of um, I needed those fans situated to get cold air directly to those components. Um, and the front just wasn't going to cut it. I wanted it from the bottom. And that's that's how this build ended up working out. So um, I know it was a ton of information at once. Um, <laughs> that is... Those were only the entertaining stops or what, you know, maybe entertaining. There were plenty other far less entertaining where I'm staring at this thing, wondering why doesn't this work? For example, my half of my fans just wouldn't light up. I thought it was a controller problem. I took my controllers apart five times to find out that there is a hidden part of the IQ software. You have to manually adopt your additional fans. And I hadn't done that because, because it automatically picked up the ones attached to the radiator. But I then attached three more fans from the other array and you have to adopt those fans manually. And I spent an entire afternoon tearing because I I had gem so those um, USB 2.0 splitters that I talked about, I assumed it was the splitters. I'm like, oh, maybe they're only providing power and not data lanes. Mm. So I, again, just spent a whole afternoon to find out (laughs) you have to manually adopt your fans for RGB. Like just, you know, stuff, stuff like that. But very, very early blush, um, fastest computer I've ever used. It's just, it's silly. Yeah. Um, it, it shredded the handful of games I've thrown at it so far. Um, but the one key takeaway though is I bought, again, aftermarket, highly upgraded, high performance, but also very high performing bearing fans. I mean, they're supposed to be very sound efficient. Um, it's still, there is no way to make this build quiet. At the yeah. end of the day, there are 10 fans, even mm-hmm. at low speeds, going inside this chassis. Um, if you want a quiet experience, go buy an iMac. Yeah, I mean, I really. I mean, it's just, it, this, this is not, even with headphones on, you're going to slightly hear the fans. Because I also keep mine up on top of the desk because I frankly like to look at it. I made mm-hmm. something that's nice to look at, in my oh, opinion. Yeah. I don't want to shove it under a desk. I also want better airflow for my machine. So, um, you're going to hear it. Just be prepared for the fan noise. There are, there are other ways you go about mitigating some of that fan noise, but it's going to come at the cost of airflow. And I'd rather hear a few decibels of fan noise and know that my very expensive components are getting ample amounts of nice cold air to be able to run safely at the temperatures and the performances that I want them to run at. Yeah. So um, 
if you are not interested in building a PC, that was the driest 50 some minutes of your life. And I do apologize. And God, I hope you turned this off many, many, many moments ago. Um, anything you guys feel I missed on, uh, you know, kind of going through really what it was like. And, oh, I guess I should cap it off with, um, we talked about, you know, the economies of all this last year. Um, it almost came down dollar for dollar what I spent on that Alienware a year ago mm-hmm. for an i7-3080 with 16 gigs of RAM. I spent almost the same amount of money today now that all the shortages have come down to build an i9-4090, 64 gigs of RAM, um, completely yeah. custom out the yeah, door. Yeah. Um, it was it, They were within dollars of each other. So oh, nice. um, not only are those prices stabilized, you're genuinely getting more, I mean, ample more power for your dollar than we were just one short year ago yeah that's crazy to think yeah. about no i mean I, I didn't have anything to add really it's just uh it's a uh it's a big investment but it sounds like you got like a lot of uh, a lot of use out of it so you're getting a lot oh, of performance and, and, so and and runways of use ahead so uh you know again these are not cheap endeavors but they're ones that will last if you do it right and um just just be as with any project like this, go in ready for, be ready for the frustrating moments, like discovering literally halfway through a build that my entire chassis needed to be discarded. Like that was, that was the peak frustration for me was having to call it and say, not only do I need to go spend a few more dollars and I can resell the other case, that's fine. But like, not only have to go out and uh, spend more dollars, I've now got to disassemble all the components I've already put together and literally start over again. And the net result was well worth it. But in that moment, it was frustrating to say the least. So uh, yeah, well on that bombshell, uh, go out, look up some components, you know, reach out if you have any questions. I I truly where I'm just happy to be able to say once again, because a year ago we couldn't for those that are ever interested in building a PC, it's finally once again, more cost efficient to go build your own than go buy one off the shelf. And it was like that for most of my life and there for a long, hot minute, it was not. And um, hey, building PCs is cool again. Pun very much intended. Especially with 10 fans. Yeah. Especially with 10 (laughs) fans. Just be ready to listen to them. So, (laughs) all right. Well, with that, we will wrap it up and catch you next time. Later. Later. Later.